Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller and Marjorie DeHay with Media Mavis Podcast, and we're super excited to be here pre-Super Bowl with Kevin Martinez, VP of ESPN Citizenship. Kevin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited. We were just chatting with you. It's so funny. We start chatting away with you, and then I'm like, no, no, put a pause. Let's get that on like the let's show. I yeah. get, let's, you know, I, as I told you, so obsessed with ESPN Citizenship. I so love the cause, the give back, what you guys are building. I know we talked about this, that it's more than just ticket sales and revenues. It's about giving back and doing good, you know, when you're out there on and off the field, not just leaving when the game's over. And we are heading into Rams Super Bowl. And you made a funny comment, not funny comment, that like, yes, LA needs this. We got the Rams. We're in their own backyard. I feel like with COVID, I'm so glad to see sports coming back out there again. I mean, but like, I talk to me about this because you guys work across the board with yep. sports. I mean, is the Super Bowl and the fact that the Rams just came into the season, came into LA, is this affecting anything or is this making an impact, do you think? You mean in what sense? It impact well, on. I mean, I mean, is it is is the goal for them? Hey, let's just get on the map. Let's get the team. Let's get into the league. Or is this? I mean, are you seeing this? Hey, you're coming into the LA market for the first time. Super Bowl. Is there going to you know where is the give back? Where is yeah, the you relationship know, be on a brand new football team? Well, not new, but you know, new to yeah. LA. Well, it's a great question because it's surrounded around your community's support of. You have a brand new stadium, which is an amazing stadium. And you have, what, six major events coming to the L.A. market over the next seven years. FIFA, the Olympic Games, college football playoff. You've got, you know, a Super Bowl here. It's phenomenal, right? So the question that I always ask are, we don't own footprint, right? So we go to where the broadcast is. And the NFL has done an extraordinarily good job of making sure that they are defining what the power of purpose means in their market. Anna Isaacson, who, re- who leads their program, is phenomenal. They really do engage at the highest levels. And of course, the organizing committee, you want to look and feel like LA, right? So you, you want your people and around it to make sure that they can say, here's what LA market needs. Don't translate that for us. Here's how we're going to do. So whether they're helping food kitchens or they're helping, you know, the DE&I conversation, which is a major piece of it, as you can probably imagine, just in sports in general, but they're doing some amazing work in LA. One of your things on your bio, and I I always like to read stats because I think stats are so cool. It says that you lead ESPN's sponsorship of Special Olympics and you've helped more than 1.6 million athletes, teammates, and coaches join the unified sports movement. Can you talk about some of the things you're doing in the future with the Special Olympics? Yeah, can I just say that gives me chills? I know that's what a geek I am. It really does. Because when we started, we, we've been working for spe- with Special Olympics for 30 years. But what we did is we wanted to do something uniquely focused on real impact. How are we really helping these athletes and these families? And as you can imagine, you know, access and entry and discriminatory practices for people with intellectual disabilities is off the charts. So we're in sports. So where should we be? We should be in the space that, you know, is dealing with disabilities. So I met with Tim Shriver about seven years ago and we said, listen, 
you know, Special Olympics is fantastic, but is it translating? Is it is the next generation buying into it? And he said, well, actually, we're struggling with that. And so he had this little thing up on his five-year plan called Unified Sports. And I said, what's that? And he said, that is our new direction. And we're testing it in a couple of different places and actually created in Connecticut with a guy named Bo Doherty, who leads Special Olympics here. But basically, it's making sure that there are people with and without intellectual disabilities playing together. And what that does is is that it's multi-dimensional and it's multi-impact, right? So you're not only, you know, letting this person with intellectual disabilities find access and play. In most cases, in a lot of cases, particularly in what type of intellectual disability you have, you have that Down syndrome, you have physical disabilities in some cases with your feet, your eyes, your hands, and you gain weight. And so how you keep healthy is really important. So that's a really critical piece. The second is, is by creating an opportunity for someone like me or you, I'm the worst basketball player in the entire universe. You do not want to play basketball with me. But here's the deal. When I played unified basketball, (laughs) and I got better with the athletes that were teaching me that were way better than this. And Damian Lillard from Portland, you know, who's a special Olympic ambassador, he, he said that. And the third thing is, is you create a sense of community that allows for the sustainable long-term development of that person being in the community, less bullying, more participation. So that's the beauty of that. The 1.5 to 6 is we decided to sponsor that globally. And we said, prove to us that you're going to expand the market, right? So we paid for a capacity building grant for them to actually make sure we knew who they were, where they were in Abu Dhabi or Argentina or the US. And so we said, we're going to give you this money, but it's contingent upon you bringing more people into it. And they have done an extraordinarily amazing job. Yeah, that number is incredible. Yeah, it is. It truly is. You know, we did a a story about, uh, I think a year ago, and it was based off of, and this is a true story, how some families in Africa, and I won't name the country, were treating their kids with intellectual disability. And in many cases, they were chaining them up inside and not because they were trying to torture them, is they were trying to keep other people from them if they walked out of wherever they were. And we did a story on that and it just resonated. And it's done, I think it's it's won an Edward R. Murrow Award, but that's all because we said, okay, listen, when we do corporate responsibility, it's not done with a check. It's not done when we do the broadcast. We have to build a sustainable story arc that tells the story so that other people can find themselves in it, but also how can they help or what's value to them? I'm just knowledge of like, you know, there is a good place in the world for people. Let's figure it out and do good stuff through sport. And then I love this because ESPN citizenship was inspired by athletes, fans, but also by the communities. I mean, the whole thing was making the world a better place through sports. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so so I think it is, you're telling the narrative, people could just write a check, but but it doesn't stop there. And I I want to talk about, was was this fueled by athletes where the fans and communities followed the lead on that? Or were the athletes and fans really thinking, wait, we have a community that needs more than just the athletes. It needs them to do good and give back. Oh, Sarah, it's a great question in respect to, you know, which was it, chicken and egg that happened yeah. first, right? But what we do know is that sports is a great equalizer. And it's for years and years, all the way back to the Olympic Games in 76 BC or whatever it might be, right? There was this bringing together and sports had the ability to equalize 
participation, viewership. You could watch people, you know, you, you know, where you couldn't because you didn't have enough money or whatever, all the way to the 68 Olympic Games to, you know, what's happened with Colin Kaepernick, what's happening with women and DE&I, uh, you know, basketball. We're having so much opportunity that sports leads. But to your question, you know, it's really interesting for us. I've worked at a number of companies, but my company's mission statement is to serve the sports fan anytime, anywhere. It's that simple. I don't need to create a new mission statement. Our job of service is the highest level of calling. So how we serve them with our broadcast, how we serve them with our, taking care of our employees or serve addressing communities where we work, live, and play. But also it's to be innovative in the space as we believe we are as storytellers and do unique things around it to make sure that the story is actually accomplishing something and then not just impact, but outcomes. So it's one thing to say, I got this X number, 1.5 million people in unified sports to participate. The outcome is that story I just told you, and that it continues. And now there's been an investment in and around that, and we've changed people's lives. So it makes it sustainable because the five areas for ESPN citizenship, access yes. to sports leadership, CEOs, leaders on and off the court field, whatever, through sports directly, obviously grants, neighborhoods, environmental sustainability, and you have the V Foundation, but I'm not sure what the V Foundation is. I'm assuming it's volunteerism. No, no. Okay. You, you need to know about the V. Okay, so the V, the V Foundation for Cancer Research. Okay. So actually, if you've ever watched the ESPYs, we have something called the Perseverance Award. And Jim Valvano had this amazing speech. I will send it to make sure you have it. But it's basically a speech that is amongst many, many, many speeches that communication people learn. And it's about the three, how you do threes, how you tell the story of threes and telling things. But Jim does such an amazing job, but his whole focus is don't give up, don't ever give up. And so we've taken that, we made a foundation out of it almost 30 plus years ago, almost 40 years ago now, sorry. And we founded that foundation, spun it off. And so every year we do cancer fundraising and all of the money goes to cancer research. So I like to tell people corporate social responsibility is doing the things that you must do regulatory, labor practices, governance, supply chain. Corporate citizenship are the things that you do with that. In other words, the constitution allows you to vote, but do you vote? When do you vote? How do you vote? Do you vote You know, for your, do you participate? That's citizenship, right? That's really engagement. So when we look at the V Foundation, what we've done is that every year, two times a year, we have two temples. One is ESBs, we fundraise for cancer research, and then the, we call it V Week, which is really V Month. And I'm not going to give you the number here, but you're the first to hear it. So every year we do this, we were terrified this year that the pandemic was going to keep fundraising down. All cancer fundraising is down. And so we were like, oh, if we could just, you know, get in there. We've done, I think the year before we did 6 million, we were hoping for 8 million. We're going to be past $12 million for cancer research this year. And that's all of our, that's our, that's our sports fans who are writing five and $25 checks and corporations, everything they do, we give the money directly to the V. And so this is helping all cancer research, all cancers, right? But we focus specifically on access related to diverse populations, Black and African-Americans with the Stu Scott Fund, which is there's a disproportionate, just like everything in cancer research for Black and African-Americans. How can we double down on that? And Stu Scott, we created a fund for him. And so now we have millions of dollars to help make sure there's equity in cancer research for Black and African-Americans. Very I, proud of this. I think wow. that's tremendous. And it's all about using sports for the power of good. 
And, yes. and that's what it's all about, which is why I love this. And so I was going to tell you this story because, you know, a lot of people have, you know, hey, I wrote a huge check or I see this huge issue going on. But we all know that percentage or majority of these checks goes to the board. The board's the, hey, I'm a board member for a nonprofit that kills humans right and left, but I'm taking 20 million of the money. It's not going directly into the hands of people who need it. We did, when we had AG as a client, we did a huge thing. Um, what was it? It was the Haiti. You know, it was that whole, when, when the earthquake mm-hmm. in Haiti, mm-hmm. and, you know, we went back and we put 120 artists, you know, back in to the studios, redid that whole thing for good. And I know how much money was made from that whole thing on giving back on the Haiti thing. We brought everybody back and did a remake, and I just really spaced out the remake of what that was. Marjorie, you got to help me here. <laughs> Which is music, this is my industry. But, yeah. uh, you know, we are, right. we are the world. We are the world. So we did the We Are the World. And, you know, it was 82 people. We brought in like 180. Total chaos right after the Grammys at Henderson. And, you know, we're the PR firm for like five years. So we did a lot of their bigger initiatives. And I know how much money was made within the first like 24 hours. And everything went through iTunes on the download. So you download and a percentage went towards, you know, giving back into Haiti. But and I can say this now because, you know, AG is not a client anymore. Months and months after, a year after, I saw a thing with John Stossel, uh, 2020 or something, down in Haiti. It's been a year. Devastation of humanitarian and human life. Where's the money? And they bleeped him because he's like, where's the effing money? And that guy was surprised they bleeped him. But he was generally pissed off. And then it became a big issue. Over $100 million was funneled through all the greatest artists the sports, the give back, the power of good. Use your status, your influence to do good in the world. You raised all this money and we get that iTunes takes their percentage when, you know, the downloads. But where did that money go? Because mm-hmm. that money was not going to the hands of these people living in the mud, dying of diseases, dysphoria, not having clean water. The money never got to the end. So I started seeing a few different you know, mobile companies, innovative tech, hey, trace the money, track the money. So if I say, here's a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand, twenty-five thousand, I know it goes to you. I want to make sure it goes to you, to them, to them. I want to make sure I'm not supporting, I'm just gonna say it as my podcast, some asshole's new fancy Bentley and vacation home because he's a board member. It's people are still struggling. The cause doesn't end because the event or the check was written in cash. The cause is still there. And my thing of giving back and causes sustainability, it's got to be sustainable. And it's not sustainable. Yes, write a check to all of these areas. Every little bit counts. But you got to use who you are to maybe give back more than just a check. Because it's yeah. human, it's it's humanitarian efforts, but it takes a human life to understand the compassion to help another human life that goes beyond just writing a check, but not in place of a check. Because I know right. checks no. are important. You're absolutely right, Sarah. And I'd love for you to add another word to your arsenal, which is transparency, which yeah. is great philanthropy organizations. You can track a dollar all the way to the service line, right? Which is where does it go? Who do you work with? It's hard to give internationally because there's lots of problems and graph, particularly during times of disaster, right? And so that's really hard. But we've seen over and over again, particularly in disaster, getting resources, needed resources, the resources that are needed at the point of disaster. I worked for, I was president of the Home Depot Foundation 
and was uh, Katrina hit. And we spent our first, you know, two years there rebuilding and all of the Gulf Coast. But what you realized was, is the infrastructure didn't know how to respond to it. So people were sending T-shirts and stuffed animals, and there'd be these huge piles of that stuff. Wasn't needed, right? What they needed was to take care of the kids first, to put them into schools, to make sure that they could play safely so that the parents then could go out because there was nothing left, right? So, So the first word I'd add is transparency. The second thing is accountability, is that if a nonprofit or our corporation that is giving monies away, we need to do the due diligence to make sure we are very clear. Sometimes people say, Kevin, you're really hard on the charitable entities you work with. I said, yeah, I really am because they're really good. And they, they demand this type of oversight and transparency. But I also have to demand it to my shareholders, my, you know, my stakeholders in the space to make sure that I go back because I get a zero-based budget every year. I don't just get this amount of money and then it grows. I got to prove that this works. And in times of disaster, and you gave a, you know, very interesting case, but it's happened, you know, with a number of different organizations is to make sure there's transparency and accountability and you know what it is that we're trying to accomplish and then you hold them accountable. Yeah, I that think is it's, so true. It's the accountability. And I'm just like, I know a few very, a few, sports leaders that have done a lot to give back. And I mean, it's not about the transparency or about all of that. I know it, it's, it's from the, it starts, leadership starts from the top down. Yep. Like, you know, you're, you are where your feet are. And like, you know, I, I've seen tremendous efforts from Mark Cuban at the Mavs. I've seen amazing efforts from Scott O'Neill from HB in the Sixers. He's really about leadership, giving back. Steve Ballantyne at the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. I know Balmer at the Clippers has, done his job because he has the means to get back but you know we, we don't see the efforts these guys are making because it, it's, it's unfortunately that it is from the top down but that yep. leadership translates down to the nfl pa i've seen the football players these guys out in their own neighborhoods giving back but some of them don't have the support from the teams or their ceos it's, just, it's on their own and i heard a few different quotes we had a great podcast a few seasons back and one of the ways Scott O'Neill ended the podcast was using sports to better our future. And, and, and yeah. it's true. It doesn't just better the revenues, the tickets, the championships, the leagues. And we all love sports, but you got to understand, you got to see it through and better the community, the industry, who you yeah. are as a person. I mean, that I, that's why we're all there. Yeah. You know, it's really... Think- I'm going to say, I think that's why we're all there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, ultimately, question of life. Why are we here, right? (laughs) But I would say that what's happening now in sports, I think is we're at a really seminal time where sports and humanity are intersecting because of the platform that they're given. But I mean, if we take a step back and look, at, you know, where sports are and how much they give and where they are. I mean, the the owners of the NFL have been incredibly generous in the communities where they work, live and play, as do other owners and stuff, and as as do their foundations, etc. But it's really interesting because what we see happening is, you know, you're an 18-year-old superstar, you're African-American, you you can run, you know, a a combine in the right time, etc., and, you know, you, you don't come from wealth. You don't, you've not been able to be a philanthropist, right? And all of a sudden you're, you know, it's the Dallas Cowboys, right? And you've got a contract and you've got an agent, a manager and people and a crew and all this type of stuff. And what we see is young people now saying, well, well, hold on a second here. This is not a branding issue for me. I'm not going to just build my name on it. I'm going to build my future on it, which is that I want to be part of the change that I 
think is affecting our community and social justice being probably the most you know, pervasive, right? Which is fairness and equity, particularly if you're a black, brown, people of color, you name it, right? So, but what we're seeing with athletes now is an amazing arc shift about the knowledge and the state and the requests that they have. I think that they are actually pushing the agencies that represent them to say, wait a minute, this isn't about brand for me. This is about my commitment to my grandmother who raised me, my teacher who got me through school. This is my mom who worked three jobs. This is my crew who helped me when I was down. All this stuff. They believe in their sense of community and they want to help it. We're seeing that in ways we've never seen it before. That's cool. That's awesome that athletes are taking such a leadership role. If we're to say, you know, because you're a storyteller, what is the story that you want people to know about ESPN and its social responsibility for the next three to five years? Yeah, you know, I know it's such a big question. I want the perfect answer for it, but I don't think I have. It, so I'm going to try not well, to. There, be... there is no perfect or not perfect answer. It's always authentic. Yeah. It's always an answer. It's always perfect to somebody. Yeah, I, I'm a CSR professional. I believe in corporations can be part of the change the society needs. And I and I know because I have an amazing president and Jimmy Patero and then Bob Chapik at Disney. They they are all in, right? So what I really want is I want to be the force that has changed people's minds and reallocated resources to this noble and impactful endeavor. Because for so long, it was volunteerism and a check. And now we're saying, and then we got pressure. Well, you know, how does this help business? And well, now we know that with new financial institutions, they're requiring ESG reporting, which says, how are you changing the world? And that's part of ultimately how you're going to get loans in the future. So now every CFO in the world is going, wait a minute, we better have an ESR report. We better understand how this is working. I want to see that people take this responsibly, but don't lose the humanity in this, right? And that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to make sure it's about people. It's not about process. It's not just about the mission or the vision. It's about people ultimately. And so I hope within five years, what you see is that ESPN continues to lead in this space of all media companies and in the sports sector. There's some great organizations out there, but I I'm biased. You know, I, NBA Cares is phenomenal. The NFL Foundation is phenomenal. I think we do a better job, obviously, because we're across all of these institutions, these leagues, these sports, you know, different power plays, different power bases. And, you know, like I'm, I'm flying to Las Vegas to go to the NF, uh, NHL's All-Star Game. It's our first one in 17 years. I'm so psyched. I'm going to be working with Kim Davis, who's their CSR lead. And we're going to be talking about how do we get black and brown people into hockey? And we're going to be doing a street hockey event and we're going to be doing that. And it, but it's part of what they built. So make it part of humanity that we agree in. But don't institutionalize it so much that it becomes just a business practice and people forget that it's about people. That's what I hope we can do. Yeah. You guys also put out the last report I saw was the ESPN 2020 Citizens Report is all about what you, there you go. What you guys <laughs> do, cue is for quick. What you're doing, where you're going, the why the where, the when of this whole thing. Is there a updated one or is this the last one that I saw? No, it, it, we have an updated one. You know, we actually are, we have some new leadership at Disney. So we're waiting for Jeff to come on board so he can look at it. But we have an actually brand new one, which we'll share with you. 
but it's phenomenal. And it's, it's digital this time. So we decided to save some trees on this. I think you're going to be really happy because of the work that we outline in COVID and, uh, you know, vaccines, the get out to vote campaigns that we were able to accomplish with, you know, league partners, you know, where we helped get more voters than ever before, which we'll continue to do. It's the first time we've ever done a get out to vote campaign. The COVID work that we did with uh, the CDC and the White House. And, you know, we just want people to be safe because what do we want? We want them to convene at sporting events. We need them all to be safe. So it's in our best interest that they do that. So that, that's been a big, huge piece. You're going to see a large focus on that. The second thing you're going to see is a real interest in making sure our commitment stays true and it's not episodic. Our commitment to the Black and African American communities that are Black and Brown people are 60% of the elite athletes, professional athletes, just, just to give you a sense of that. So we need to be in that community that's actually making sport happen. But our commitment there, we have created something called the Return to Play Fund, which we're going to be working on. And the other piece is, is we've been, you know, hopefully you've heard of our Don't Retire Kid campaign, which is to get kids in sports. Kids are dropping out of sports at unbelievable rates. Well, the pandemic has exponentially done that. So we're going to lose a generation of kids who didn't play or don't want to play. And we need them to be healthy and we need them to learn sports because if they're not in sports, they're not likely going to watch ESPN. So there's a business reason there, right? But also the attributes that you get from sports. The Women's Sports Foundation did a a research poll and I think it was 93% of all sitting uh, executive women and, you know, the, the C role, right. Said that they learned the majority of their leadership through their time in sports. I okay? think that is a hundred percent spot on because I just, cause I was always athletic. I was always in sports and everything, high school and college. And my whole thing is, you know, just the camaraderie, the teamwork, I'm always all about teamwork makes the dream work. It's yeah. about leadership, pushing ahead, not giving up, forging ahead, determination, inspiration, motivation. That's just a very distinct thing you have. I always say those leaders and those followers, but like most people in sports, not all, I mean, there's a lot of amazing executives out there, but I am the biggest believer that I got always, but I, there was some sports in your background because you learn, you learn that because you yes. have no choice because you've got to move forward as a team lead follow when appropriate. So I'm a hundred percent spot on. I think it's men and women, not just oh, women. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, and and I think it's more women now because our investment is moving as, as a society. I mean, look at the number of gold medalists from the Olympics. They were women. They weren't men. Right. And what we've seen is, you know, track and field and where women have access tennis. It's a beautiful thing. We need to equalize to make sure everyone is fairly has access to do it. So that's what we're hoping to do is to make sure that that stream of consciousness goes on. And if I had one wish, me personally, I would like to figure out what's the sweet spot, what's the holy grail in making sure that people understand that there is climate change and that you know, for whatever you want to call it or whatever, that the environment is part of what we believe in. When you bring hundreds of thousands of people to places and stuff, you know, the weather changing is happening. I mean, as an example, Kim Davis from the NHL and I were talking and she said, well, Kevin, you know, their highest temperatures ever recorded in winter last year, not fully this year in Canada. And there were, I think, fewer, 30% fewer iced over ponds to play hockey on. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, what about rainouts or water? You know, there's 
that's something that I hope that people start to intrinsically understand that there is a connectivity to our world, our place, our balance in the world that we need to be part of. That's that's where I hope sports can go without getting too green. I, I think it's an important play. And speaking about connectivity and community, what are some ways that like our listeners could get involved, like actually personally beyond, you know, monetary contributions? What are some ways, you know, especially here in L.A.? Yeah. So, you know, there's an amazing organization in L.A. called the L.A. 84 Fund. Renata Cimarron runs that. I just talked to her yesterday. She is one of the most brilliant women I've ever met. And she can talk. I mean, I, I just I just want to be quiet, which as you realize is probably not where my my perfect state. But that organization is doing great work that is looking at how sport is helping kids throughout the community. And so there are hundreds, if not thousands of charitable entities that are in that space. Find a passion and a love, even if it's playing tennis with NJTLs or it's working. There's a new center going in right by the airport called the Kimmelman Center. And it's going to have tennis courts, baseball courts. And I think, and the Tiger Woods is putting a STEM it's like a, a learning center there. And it's going to create all these opportunities for synergistic play among sports, but also to show, say, you don't have to be like, you don't have to be an elite athlete, but you can have these moments of clarity and opportunity. Look for them in your community, you know, help your kids find those places. Kids are having hard times figuring out where do they fit in? There's so much other pressures on them that I really hope that, you know, that's in the sports space. I, I could tell you a million other things and, you know, equity and social justice, but in the sports space, it's easy as going local to your national, or excuse me, your local park and saying, hey, I'll coach tennis. I don't know anything about it, but I can hit it with a ball and I want kids to come there and have fun. I just think it's just like we had a really great guest on God last year and he's a CEO founder. He came from the sports industry as an athlete and marketing. It's called STEM sports where they're moving to all the grade schools with STEM programs. And if you're a grade school teacher, high school teacher, it's like we said before, and you and Marjorie were talking about how are we getting kids. It starts at a lower age. And with COVID, if it's like, well, hey, you, you, you don't need to be a basketball star. You don't need to jump. But we're going to give you all the basketballs, all the bats, balls, footballs, pads. We're going to give you everything for free, which, you know, schools are hurting. You know, we're going to give you everything you need, you know, for any of your STEM classes, science, math, everything. Just apply it towards sports. Give them a reason to not give up, to keep pursuing something and it's a tremendous job with stem sports i mean they're headquartered out of scottsdale in phoenix yep. but it's amazing that you know they've kind of had that initiative for a few years now to move that forward but i have a question like i mean and i know this is a tough question to ask you kevin you got nfl nhl nba uh you got soccer you got all these guys big leagues i, I mean i just know this team that i know I mean, I know for a fact the LA Kings, their team is all about give back, give back community yeah. more than I've ever seen any other NHL team. We see a lot, I, I see personally, this is personally, I see a lot of these NFL players giving back out there in the streets. Do you see a specific league that's heavier in giving back versus one that maybe needs more support or isn't giving back as much as we think they should? Mm, you're trying to build a trap for me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, uh, just educating. I mean, because I, because I see a lot of NFL, but I know the NHL. I know the teams personally. You know, from their coaches, the players, Ben Clancy's. I know what their motives are. But you know, I, we had the CMO Matt Corey at PGA. They're doing a tremendous. He Matt's whole yeah. goal was to drive golf children 
get out there, do good, be good. We hear about it more visibly than others. Some just do it because it's what they do. I personally, I'm not sure about you, Margie, but I, because what I've talked to some of these guys, but if I take myself out of all of this in the media, I do see a lot of NFL. They're doing a tremendous yeah. job, but I'm not seeing a lot of other sports. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be candid with you. You know, part of it is the machine behind you, right? I mean, if you look at NFL, it is the machine that is driving viewership. 55 million people watched the last playoff game, right? That, yeah. That's huge, right? 23 million watched the CFP playoff. So it just depends. But it also, I would say... There are each organization does it differently. Like Major League Baseball does a rebuilding baseball in the inner cities, which is really focused on making sure to diversify that game. And they need to because there's very few, there's not enough black players. There's not enough black players in a lot of sports. NHL is doing that as well, but they're talking about sustainability. They also do cancer research, fight, hockey fights cancer. PGA Tour just celebrated giving $2 billion away from the golf tournaments that they sanction to local organizations that are all the slate of, you know, from health to social justice to sports, right? So they all kind of do it based upon how they manage their infrastructure and their sport. You know, Major League Soccer is a huge supporter of Special Olympics, so we're very happy to work with them. The NFL does incredible work every single night on our Monday night footballs as it relates to the conversation that they have in the local community. I think one of the things that you see that is really important for the leagues and teams to see is that can we work together to bring people to sport, not just to a single sport? Because if we're trying to just say it's football, it's punt, pass and kick, then we forget about the throw, hit and run, you know, whatever. And so I realize that that's their their bailiwick, but you know, NBA Cares does. I, I mean, they are phenomenal. Kathy Barons and and Todd Jacobson are two of my mentors in this space. They are phenomenal because it's built in, and their their commissioner is all in. You know, social justice, the first one to make decisions that allowed all this stuff, and particularly with the WNBA, they've made it to do it. Smaller teams, you know, NBA teams, they have a harder time getting out there. So they also have, quite frankly, more celebrity on a smaller team. So it's harder for them to get, I mean, LeBron James can't go out and, you know, do stuff. He has to create his own programs and LeBron James schools that he's funding, which are phenomenal by the way, but it just depends on how they do it. I mean, Russell Wilson is one of my favorite. I'm a Seahawks fan because I went to school at the university of Washington, but he's the real deal. This guy goes to children's hospitals every day. Doesn't want any press. Doesn't want any of that. Him and Sierra go there. They believe in it and they're going to do stuff behind the scenes. So it's not always a press event, but it is what they believe in and transactionally make true. And that's what I, I want to see more of. And I know there's the whole, I mean, it's the whole competition, hitting to the you know, the playoffs, Super Bowl. I, we get all of that. But at the end of the day, regardless of we're not delineating one sport like NFL from NBA, they're all important in their own right. But the idea of calling it teamwork is whether you're on NFL, NBA, or you're partnering NFL slash NBA event, it's all about the teamwork that really moves the needle, that makes the difference, that defines where you're going. So I, I do love that the teams are coming yes. together to work together, regardless of what the cause is, you still have the same common cause, which is to help yeah. the cause and do good and be good. I love that. I love that. And 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 I have to put this plug in because my team told me I needed to, but every year 
We, well, for the last eight years, seven years, we've we created a new program, which we're producers of. So we actually produce the show. It's called the Sports Humanitarian of the Year Awards. And it happens just before the ESPYs. And it literally is, we have an independent judge and jury group. And so we say, who's really doing the most impactful? We have measurement tools that say, it's not just philanthropy. It's your personal time, your commitment, how long you stayed with it. And we have a Muhammad Ali Sports Humanitarian of the Year. We have the Billie Jean King Youth Leaders for Youth. Then we have, you know, sustainability. We have League of the Year that says, you know, who's really out there. So it gives them time to be able to tell their stories. This piece is really important because there hasn't been a platform for that. So the Sports Humanitarian has done phenomenally. We also take all the money and give it to the V Foundation for Cancer Research. So we don't keep any of it. So that's our way to do it. But we also give a million plus dollars in grants out to the winners so that they can continue to sustain their efforts, right? And is, some of the stories like, are phenomenal. Coach, is this for players, coaches, or is it just Active, like, yeah, active players and coaches, right? Okay. We have something called the Inspire Award, which allows us to talk about people within the industry. But we really want active players and coaches so that we can say, this is the model. This is the best practice. And so these young men and women that are coming up, they have... It's not just LeBron James doing it, right? It's Victor Cruz doing it, who goes to his hometown on an island in the Caribbean and not only bought an ambulance bill to school and built a hospital, but he's been doing it for five to six years and nobody knew he was doing it. And he's helped that whole community, right? That's a humanitarian. That. There's a lot of amazing people out there. But let's like let's kind of circle back. I mean, I, I love, we've been chatting for a while. We were talking Posts. We're going to be talking pre-posted podcasts. It's so much going on, but we are literally two weeks, thirteen days, twelve days exactly, and three hours, whatever, from Super Bowl yeah. in LA. I know from NFL meetings I had last week when the guys are here pre NFL PA side, they're getting tested every day. They pulled all the events. I know there's a lot of controversy. There's always a plan B to pull NFL. I think it was two weeks or up to 14 to 21 days prior to shift to another city. We didn't shift. Everybody wanted to shift out of LA. And let's just be honest. We all read about what's going on with COVID and testing and non-testing, not to get too political. But a lot of people are happy we have Super Bowl. We're able to host. A lot of people are not happy we didn't pull Super Bowl from LA and go to Vegas and go to stadium in Vegas where the Raiders are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where's your, where's your um, thoughts on this? Well, you know, here's the deal for me, safety first. We don't want to be part of the pandemic's continued run and, and we need to be smart and responsible about that. And so like for, for us at ESPN, we produce 10,000 events a year where we're, we have people and, you know, third parties and our own people and all this type of stuff. We need to make sure first and foremost, our employees are safe when we're out there doing it. And then when we work with the leagues, they have very clear instructions. Each league is different, right? So we can't go on the field. No one else can go on the field except our production crew. No, you know, special guests or anything like that. But it's managing. I mean, the NBA did the first to close the doors on it and was one of the most responsible efforts ever done. Say, hold on a second. And then they solve for it by creating the bubble, right? And so that's helpful. We're in a pandemic. People are dying. This is not just about, is it off-putting or there's going to be traffic? So to do this responsible, which I believe the city has and the league has as well, and there's always going to be parts that you miss. But the fact is, is that they are bringing people to the community and that's going to be an effect, I would say. But do they act responsible by, you know, wearing their masks and washing their hands and making sure that they're hearing? And so the NFL is saying that, here's what you got to do. I mean, the 
the card that I just have to send in and the, the testing that I'll have to do to go because I will be out there is responsible testing. And so I believe it's the right thing to do because I now see that, you know, Omicron is starting to come down a little bit. Delta was coming down. Can we all work together to help save everybody's life? That, that's the key. I, I just firmly believe in that. Well, I think that's where NFL is kind of on the line. I mean, I'm not talking the lawsuits and the blowback. It's not about the They're doubling down on this. We've got to put Super Bowl on the map. We've got to get the fans yep. back. Revenues, fans, sponsors, athletes. I mean, they double down on this. Test every day. You got to be masked. Show your card. I think the concern with the NFL from my talks with them is not so much the NFL is doing everything in their power to keep their teams, their people safe, to make it a great event for the communities that they serve. The big concern is the city it's in. I mean, and Marjorie and I live in LA. So, you know, I she's gonna chime in her opinion here in a <laughs> second. I know this, but it's it's about because we're so split of I'm not gonna go Republican, Democrats, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I'm talking about you're vaccinated, you're boosted, or you just don't believe and you don't care. And I think we are oh, I don't know if it's you know, look at Florida, look at Texas, Las Vegas, where they want to move it to. It's like COVID doesn't exist there. I get everybody has a threshold and an opinion. Individually, we're going to a Clippers-Lakers game Thursday. Of course, we're vaccinated. Of course, we're going to be masked. We're going to do our part to stay safe, to keep others safe. But I'm talking about, okay, Marjorie and I go to the game Thursday. Millions of people are so angry because they want to party. They want to do this. They don't believe in COVID. And I think that's where it starts to get NFL has done their job. They can't do anymore. It's up to the fans and the citizens to do their part. I think this is where the clash is starting to hit. At least, I mean, yeah. in, in LA and from NFL stress on this. I know they're a little stress on this, but I mean, Marjorie, am I like wrong on my perception on this here in LA? Or am I just overly, I don't think I'm overly cautious. I just think I'm spot on that. It's not that cut and dry right now where we're at. Yeah, it's definitely not. And I think, Kevin, you made such a good point earlier. It's like the the pandemic has caused this generation not to love sports because it's kept them at home for two years. So you're also talking about, okay, big sporting events, Super Bowl, where, you know, you've had kids who haven't gotten taken to their games by their mom or their dad and they haven't like been embraced in live sports so i think beyond like everybody being safe and healthy it's also you feel like there's this whole generation just missing out on mm -hmm. really like things that that built us i feel like mm -hmm. sports have been a part of all of our lives and how how can you get this generation back engaged yeah, well, I, you know, first and foremost, I can't speak to some of the things the NFL are doing. I can only, you know, follow their rules. And I think the rules are strong and good. I think it's personal responsibility. I'm a firm believer. I, you know, obviously, that's what I believe in and do every day. And it's not for me, it's for other people. You know, I want to make sure they're safe, because my mom passed away of COVID. And so I, it's very, very serious to me, right? And so I need to understand that that's happening for everybody. As it relates to, it goes to, and again, I'm so sorry to hear that. So it just breaks my heart to hear this because I mean, I mean, it's it, it just the struggle's real, no matter what side of the fence you're on, and yeah. whether you believe it or not, you've got to accept it, have an opinion without judgment. But the struggle's real. I mean, it, it is math and science don't lie. 
Right. And that's what's heartbreaking to me is when people know people, those parents were super sick or they lost somebody and they're still running around pissed off at NBA, NFL, because they don't want to show a vaccination or wear a mask. I, I just, it's, it goes back to what Marty said. It's just, I think it's such a disconnect of is people with the mentality of COVID BS, whatever, whatever, whatever. Is that Marjorie with, to your point, what keeps the youth and people loving sports or is it really just because we've been out for so long, they've lost interest. I just, I don't know if that's a question anybody can answer or that disconnect is. Yeah. I, I don't think any of us can answer the disconnects between, you know, people's beliefs and, an actual pandemic because most of the world has not lived through another pandemic unless there are, you know, over a hundred. So this is, you know, something new. I think we're new territories. I think when you're in new territories, there's lots of challenges, but, you know, I think there's also lots of opportunity to educate people and get, getting back to what Kevin, you do is you spend a lot of your time really educating people about how to be a better citizen, how to be. So maybe a couple words of wisdom about how we can all be better citizens. (laughs) Well, I, I, you know, I mentioned it personal responsibility, but I, I think it's, you know, it comes from the place that it's funny how it shifted so quickly, but remember do unto others, you know, that was a very biblical approach to things. And it's funny how people have forgotten that, but ultimately if we can just remember, it's not about me, it's about you, meaning that I want you to be healthy. I want you to be successful. I want you to have the same path and opportunities. And I want to be part of that path for you. That's called servant leadership is making sure that you're behind someone clearing the way for them with the resourcing and everything that you have. But I I think it's literally that. It's just making sure that people reflect back. It's, you know, we either have kids or nephews or whatever. We want them to be safe. We want our grandparents. We want our parents to be safe. We think about that. But the minute we get outside of that nuclear family, somehow we forget that. Let's bring community back to a place where I really care about the conversations that you're having. And, you know, I understand that you may have reticence about this and stuff, but the science proves it. And also, by the way, if you get it, you give it to someone else, they could die. That's that's worth knowing about, right? And so to me, it's really personal responsibility. I hope we can teach more people to care about other people through sport. I, I love that. That's like one of my favorite things right now that you just said. I mean, we all say it's not about me, it's about you. I care about you. I care about your success, your health, your wealth, your everything. Because if you're a better person, you're going to inspire, motivate others around you to want to be a better person as well. And it, it is about do good, be good. And how do we utilize sports to get to that next level? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something about cause the other day, or not the other day, just did a couple of minutes ago. But in my office, in my in my building, I've put up this big, huge sign that says cause, not charity, which is be about something, be about purpose, be about what you can affect change on the movement. Don't just be about the institution of the change, be about the full holistic implementation of it, the person, the people, the passion, the money, the whatever. It's the cause that you care about. So it's not... Elton John AIDS Foundation is probably the best in the world on that. But if you look at the cause, what he's trying to do is say, we want to alleviate HIV AIDS by the year 2030. That's the cause, right? That's what we want to fight against. And so that's what I hope people think about. 
Well, it's because there's the why. They always talk about the who, the when, the where, the why. It's about the why. It's about why am I doing this? Why are we here? But I also think it's about being grounded and being present when you leave. If you don't have, if you've got to have intention, you've got to be present. Your presence and your intent is so critical. And if you have a conversation and you're not grounded, you're not present, your intent is not to leave that person better when you walk away, when you walk in you know, that to me is what it's all about right now on the leadership side, but we are yeah. running out of time and I no. feel like we are just getting started. Yeah. Oh my God, Kevin, I'm so excited you came on. Like I am such a huge fan of uh, not just the sports world, but ESPN, ESPN citizenship. When it crossed my radar, it just, it, it just lit me up. That was the reason why like, I'm like, this is why we do a podcast. This is why we get out bed every morning. I think it's a tremendous thing that you're doing. I'm super excited to work with you more in East Penn citizenship, as we talked about prior. You are going to be here in LA for Super Bowl. Can I ask you which team you're going for? No, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, should, I should say, yes, you can, but I won't, I won't respond. I'm happy. For both of them, I'm a Seahawks fan. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, we're going to go with that as the answer of the day. I stay safe out there. Congrats on everything, ESPN. And then one more social media. How do yeah. people follow you? How do they get engaged yeah. and involved? You know what I'd love for people to do is first go to. I know it's a little archaic, but I'd love them to learn more about the conversation we just had. It's all there on our re- citizenship reports, which is you know ESPN and backslash citizenship. So that is really where you can find the most. And we have a we have a Twitter handle, we have Instagram handle that we follow. But for us, it's really about making sure there's some meat on the on the grill that you can you can have select from, and you feel like there's some su- substantial information there. Great, perfect. Kevin, it was so awesome spending some time with you. We were Thank looking you. forward to catching up with you. But until then, this is Sarah Miller, Marjorie DeHay with Kevin Martinez at ESPN on Media Mavis Podcast. And we'll see everybody when we drop again next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavis Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavis Podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.